Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, and welcome to Sound Sleep, a storytelling podcast with curated audio, specifically designed to improve the quality of your sleep. I am your host, Adam. Thanks for joining me. Did you know there are even more stories in the Sound Sleep premium feed? Well, when you support this podcast, you'll get ad-free episodes, two monthly bonus episodes, and get early releases all for less than a dollar a week. Subscribe from either Apple Podcasts or Supercast and listen directly in your favorite podcast player. It's quick and easy. Go to soundsleeppodcast.com or look in the show notes for more information. And thanks so much for your continued support. The next story was so much fun to read. I hope you enjoy it too. If you'd like to tell me what you think, feel free to let me know with a review and a rating. Or send me a message on Instagram or in the Facebook group. I truly love to hear from you. Looking for even more stories to listen to and fall asleep with? Check out one of my favorites, Dreamful. Jordan has an amazing selection of the best stories and perfectly pairs them with music that she personally selects. You'll be snoozing in no time to pride and prejudice. The wonderful Wizard of Oz. Or you could easily get hooked on her 12-part Constellation series. Check out Dreamful wherever you listen to podcasts. your eyes, allow your mind to wander to a peaceful countryside setting. Imagine yourself 
driving along a winding road, surrounded by lush green fields and rolling hills. The sun is shining, and a warm breeze flows through the open car windows. As you continue on your journey, take in all of the sights and sounds around you. Notice the wildflowers blooming along the side of the road, and the birds singing in the trees. Feel the warmth of the sun on your skin, and the gentle rocking of the car as you drive. As you come to a stop at a scenic overlook, take a moment to appreciate the breathtaking view. Take in the vast expanse of the landscape and allow yourself to feel a sense of awe and wonder at the beauty of nature. Take another deep breath in, and exhale. As we begin our story, continue with a few more deep breaths, preparing your mind and body to be ready for a peaceful and sound sleep. Side 
the convent door, smoking my cigar like them and also like them, looking at the reddened snow and at the lonely shed where the bodies of belated travelers dug out of it, slowly wither away, knowing no corruption in that cold region. The wine upon the mountaintop soaked in as we looked. The mountain became white, the sky a very dark blue. The wind rose, and the air turned piercing cold. The five couriers buttoned their rough coats, there being no safer man to imitate in all such proceedings than a courier. I buttoned mine. The mountain in the sunset had stopped the five couriers in a conversation. It is a sublime sight, likely to stop conversation the mountain being now out of the sunset, they resumed. Not that I had heard any part of their previous discourse, for indeed, I had not then broken away from the American gentleman in the traveler's parlor of the convent, who sitting with his face to the fire, had undertaken to realize to me the whole progress of events which had led to the accumulation by the honorable Ananias Dodger of one of the largest acquisitions of dollars ever made in our country. My God, said the Swiss courier speaking in French, which I do not hold, as some authors appear to do, to be such an all-sufficient excuse for a naughty word that I have only to write it in that language to make it innocent. If you talk to ghosts, but I don't talk to ghosts, said the German. Of what then? asked the Swiss. If I knew of what then, said the German, I should probably know a great deal more. It was a good answer, I thought and it made me curious. So I moved my position to that corner of my bench, which was nearest to them, and leaning my back against the convent wall, heard perfectly, without appearing to attend. Thunder and lightning, said the German, warming. When a certain man is coming to see you unexpectedly, and without his own knowledge sends some invisible messenger to put the idea of him into your head all day, what do you call that? When you walk along a crowded street at Frankfurt, Milan, London, Paris, and think that a passing stranger is like your friend, Heinrich, and then that another passing stranger is like your friend Heinrich, and so begin to have a strange foreknowledge that presently you'll meet your friend Heinrich, which you do, though you believed him, at Trist. What do you call that? 
It's not uncommon either, murmured the Swiss and the other three. Uncommon, said the German. It's as common as cherries in the Black Forest. It's as common as macaroni at Naples. And Naples reminds me. When the old Marchesa Senzanima shrieks at a card party on the river, as I heard and saw her, for it happened in a Bavarian family of mine, and I was overlooking the service that evening, I say, when the old Marchesa starts up at the card table, white through her rouge and cries, My sister in Spain is dead. I felt her cold touch on my back. And when that sister is dead at the moment, what do you call that? Or, when the blood of San Gennaro liquefies at the request of the clergy, as all the world knows that it does regularly once a year in my native city, said the Neapolitan courier after a pause with a comical look. What do you call that? That cried the German. Well, I think I know a name for that. Miracle, said the Neapolitan with the same sly face. The German merely smoked and laughed, and they all smoked and laughed. Bah, said the German presently. I speak of things that really do happen. When I want to see the conjurer, I pay to see a professed one and have my money's worth. Very strange things do happen without ghosts. Ghosts. Giovanni Baptista, tell your story of the English bride. There's no ghost in that, but something full as strange. Will any man tell me what? As there was a silence among them, I glanced around. He, whom I took to be Baptista, was lighting a fresh cigar. He presently went on to speak. He was a Genoese, as I judged. The story of the English bride, said he. Basta. One ought not to call so slight a thing a story. It's all one, but it's true. Observe me well, gentlemen, it's true. That which glitters is not always gold. But what I am going to tell is true. He repeated this more than once. Ten years ago, I took my credentials to an English gentleman at Long's Hotel in Bond Street, London was about to travel. It might be for one year, it might be for two. He approved of them, likewise of me. He was pleased to make inquiry. The testimony that he received was favorable. He engaged me by the six months, and my entertainment was generous. He was young, handsome, very happy. He was enamored of a fair young English lady with a sufficient fortune, and
they were going to be married. It was the wedding trip, in short, that we were going to take. For three months' rest in the hot weather, it was early summer then, he had hired an old place on the Riviera at an easy distance from my city, Genoa, on the road to Nice. Did I know that place? Yes, I told him I knew it well. It was an old palace with great gardens. It was a little bare, and it was a little dark and gloomy, being close surrounded by trees. But it was spacious, ancient, grand, and on the seashore. He said it had been so described to him exactly, and he was well pleased that I knew it. For its being a little bare of furniture, all such places were. For its being a little gloomy, he had hired it principally for the gardens, and he and my mistress would pass the summer weather in their shade. So all goes well, Baptista, said he. Indubitably, Signor, very well. We had a traveling chariot for our journey, newly built for us, and in all respects complete. All we had was complete. We wanted for nothing. The marriage took place. They were happy. I was happy, seeing all so bright, being so well situated, going to my own city, teaching my language and the rumble to the maid. The Bella, Carolina, whose heart was gay with laughter, who was young and rosy. The time flew, but I observed, listen to this, I pray. And here the courier dropped his voice. I observed my mistress sometimes brooding in a manner very strange, in a frightening manner, in an unhappy manner, with a cloudy, uncertain alarm upon her. I think that I began to notice this when I was walking up hills by the carriage side, and Master had gone on in front. At any rate, I remember that it impressed itself upon my mind one evening in the south of France, when she called to me to call Master back. And when he came back and walked for a long way, talking encouragingly and affectionately to her, with his hand upon the open window and hers in it, now and then, he laughed in a merry way, as if he were bantering her out of something. By and by, she laughed, and then all went well again. It was curious. I asked the Bella Carolina, the pretty little one, was Mistress unwell? No, out of spirits. No. Fearful of bad roads or brigands? No. 
And what made it more mysterious was, the pretty little one would not look at me in giving answer, but would look at the view. But one day, she told me the secret. If you must know, said Carolina, I find, from what I have overheard, mistress is haunted. How haunted? By a dream. What dream? By a dream of a face. For three nights before her marriage, she saw a face in a dream. Always the same face, and only one. Terrible face? No, the face of a dark, remarkable-looking man in black, with black hair and a gray mustache. A handsome man except for a reserved and secret air. Not a face she ever saw, or at all like a face she ever saw. Doing nothing in the dream, but looking at her fixedly, out of the darkness. Does the dream come back? Never. The recollection of it is all her trouble. And why does it trouble her? Carolina shook her head. That's Master's question, said the Bella. She doesn't know. She wonders why herself. But I heard her tell him, only last night, that if she was to find a picture of that face in our Italian house, which she is afraid she will, she did not know how she could ever bear it. Upon my word, I was fearful after this, of our coming to the old palazzo, lest some such ill-starred picture should happen to be there. I knew there were many there, and as we got nearer and nearer to the place, I wished the whole gallery in the crater of Vesuvius. To mend the matter, it was a stormy, dismal evening when we at last approached that part of the Riviera. It thundered, and the thunder of my city and its environs rolling among the high hills is very loud. The lizards ran in, and out of the chinks in the broken stone wall of the garden, as if they were frightened. The frogs bubbled and croaked their loudest. The sea wind moaned, and the wet trees dripped, and the lightning, body of San Lorenzo, how it lightened. We all know what an old palace in or near Genoa is. How time and the sea air have blotted it. How the drapery painted on the outer walls has peeled off in great flakes of plaster. How the lower windows are darkened with rusty bars of iron. How the courtyard is overgrown with grass. How the outer buildings are dilapidated. How the whole pile seems devoted to ruin. Our 
palazzo is one of a kind. Our palazzo is one of a true kind. It had been shut up close for months. Months. Years. It had an earthly smell like a tomb. The scent of the orange trees on the broad back terrace and of the lemons ripening on the wall and of some shrubs that grew around a broken fountain had got into the house somehow and had never been able to get out again. There was in every room an aged smell grown faint with confinement. It pinned in all the cupboards and drawers in the little rooms of communication between great rooms, it was stifling. If you turned a picture, to come back to the pictures, there it still was, clinging to the wall behind the frame like a sort of bat. The lattice blinds were closed shut all over the house. There were two ugly gray old women in the house to take care of it. One of them with a spindle, who stood winding and mumbling in the doorway, and who would as soon have let in the devil as the air. Master, mistress, Labella, Carolina, and I went all through the palazzo. I went first, though I have named myself last opening the windows and the lattice blinds and shaking down on myself splashes of rain and scraps of mortar and now and then a dozing mosquito or a monstrous fat blotchy genoese spider when i had let the evening light into a room master mistress and Labella Carolina entered. Then we looked round at all the pictures, and I went forward again into another room. Mistress secretly had great fear of meeting with the likeness of that face we all had. But there was no such thing. The Madonna and Bambino, San Francisco, San Sebastiano, Venus, Santa Caterina, angels, brigands, friars, temples at sunset, battles, white horses, forests, apostles, doges. All my acquaintances many times repeated, yes, dark, handsome man in black reserved and secret, with black hair and gray mustache, looking fixedly at mistress out of darkness. No, at last we got through all the rooms and all the pictures and came out into the gardens. They were pretty well kept, being rented by a gardener were large and shady. In one place, there was a rustic theater 
open to the sky. The stage, a green slope. Three entrances upon a side. Sweet smelling leafy screens. Mistress moved her bright eyes, even there, as if she looked to see the face come in upon the scene. But all was well. Now, Clara, Master said in a low voice, you see that it is nothing. You are happy. Mistress was much encouraged. She soon accustomed herself to that grim palazzo and would sing and play the harp and copy the old pictures and stroll with Master under the green trees and vines all day. She was beautiful. He was happy. He would laugh and say to me, mounting his horse for his morning ride before the heat, All goes well, Baptista. Yes, Signor. Thank God very well. We kept no company. I took La Bella to the Duomo and an Anunciata, to the cafe, to the opera, to the village festa, to the public garden, to the day theater, to the marionette. The pretty little one was charmed with all she saw. She learned Italian, heavens, miraculously. Was mistress quite forgetful of that dream? I asked Carolina sometimes. Nearly, said the Bella, almost. It was wearing out. Sound sleepers, we will end part one here and resume in the next episode. Until then, have a wonderful, sound sleep.